now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again for a beautiful Monday. Yeah, good to see you. Oh, there was a gentle hum of cicadas out there this morning. Right. Yeah, just, you know, you can just feel it starting to build up. It's well, Hopefully summer's starting to build. I had a jacket on last night. Oh, really? It was freezing. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll pay that. It was a little bit chilly, but jacket time, okay. Oh, it wasn't a heavy jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Talking like a light, thin a jacket. A jacket. Yeah, <laughs> with a big hood. <laughs> Scott Sharp, what have you got for us today? Well, I thought we'd talk about horse manure. Oh, nice, good yeah, start. Yeah, well, good start. Let's get straight off the uh, off the bat on that one. Oyster plant and also a really good uh, succulent uh, crassula ovata. Nice. Nice in the pronunciation. Well, thank you very much. I, I strive for it every day. And we've got June from Buff Point, and she's got a question about gardenias. Hey, June, how can we help you? Yes, um, Scott, I've got a gardenia. Well, I've got four gardenias in pots, and most of the leaves are turning bright yellow. Um, what am I not feeding them, or am I overfeeding them? No, look, you won't be overfeeding them at the moment. Gardenias at this time of year are notorious. They're notorious for getting yellow leaves. Right. And what's actually happening is that uh, largely the iron and magnesium is being sucked out of the, out of the soil as they bud up, uh, getting right. ready to flower. And, and right. that's, that's probably what's happening to yours now, especially because they're in pots. Uh, they really need to be fed uh, you know, quite heavily at this time of year. Uh, right. Look, there's a couple of ways you can go about that. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, trace elements or the old Epsom salts and mix that up in water as you normally would as per the instructions and water that all over the plant, over the leaves as well if you want to. Right, and uh, down, down through the soil and that'll be absorbed up. Uh, and look, you can also, uh, you know, just use a, uh, a liquid fertiliser. There's a flourish for rosaleas and uh, gardenias. So that's, that's a good one to get. I'll be using that as well. But that's something you just probably use every couple of weeks. Uh, and look, you certainly need to get those trace elements going with it uh, and make sure that the plant is well watered because that's the other thing it can be. It can be the iron deficiency, the magnesium deficiency, and just a general you know, lack of water, especially, again, because they're in pots. So I think you've really got that three-pronged attack, uh, you know, approach that you have to take there. Uh, right. And just uh, you make sure that it's being really well fed and watered at this time of year when they're budding up. And, look, it's a great thing to do. Stick it in the calendar for next year, um, around October or so. Start right. to feed up your gardenias then so that when they get to this time of year and they're forming their flower buds... Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have it ready. You know, you'll have some pre- you know preparation in place for it, and it won't uh, suffer quite as badly as it perhaps is at the moment. That's great. Now, if I'm mixing up Epsom salts in a two-litre bottle, um, how much Epsom salts would I put in? I don't know because I don't know how strong your Epsom salts are. Oh, right. Yeah. Just a normal. From the yeah. chemist. Oh, look, yep. I, I'm not sure. Look, and I can't advise about I'll that. I'll read it, it up. Yeah, okay. There's obviously yeah. different strengths that you can get. And that's why you're probably best to go to your local garden centre and actually get trace elements. Uh, oh, because right. on the back of that packaging, uh, there will be actual dilution rates, you know, how much water to mix up and, and do it that way. But certainly don't ever sprinkle it over the surface of the ground and then, you know, try and water it in. You always have to dilute it initially in water. So, look, yeah, just to play safe, if you want to go and get some of those trace elements from your garden centre uh, and then you won't have any trouble with over uh, trace elementing uh, your gardenias. Thank you very much. You've been a great help. Not a problem. Look, that's what we aspire to do here. 
So, thank you. Thank you, June. Have a good afternoon. And we've got Steve from Katara, and he's got a question about the fig tree. Steve, hey, g'day, mate. Uh, how many of you? You only need one. Apparently, that's what Adam and Eve needed. So, right. Well, yes. Uh, on, on I leaf. Mind if mine was working for. <laughs> now, um, to give you a bit of background, I bought this thing about three years ago yep. from Bunnings. It was a grafted fig, and um, I planted it in the garden, and it's just going straight up. And I and I thought at the end of last year, I thought, well, if I cut cut it down by about a third, which I did, it will mm -hmm. force it to bush out. Yes, yes. And and all it's done is it sent a, a shoot out, which is now going straight up. Nothing's <laughs> happening underneath it. So do I need to cut it back harder next year? Uh, look, I, I just sort of leave it be at the moment. Figs are a funny thing. Uh, you, yeah. know, you do cut them back and they would have sent off one shoot. And yeah. then over time you find them starting to spread, you know, a, a whole lot more. How tall is it up to now, mate? Well, what am I? I'm 5'10", so it's about a fraction taller than me, so six foot in the old language. Oh, OK, so it's, it's sort of starting to do all right then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I'd, I'd probably just leave it alone, just keep on feeding it as normal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, look, if you need to, you could give it a tip prune where you might just take off the tip, right. uh, you know, of, of that particular branch, and then hopefully yeah. it'll start to spread a little bit more. So, right. look, it might be that you don't want to get it, you know, let it get too much taller, um, you know, probably yeah. about as high as you can reach. Yeah. Uh, because, that, you know, you'll tend to get enough figs off there and you want to try and keep it under control so that, uh, you know, you're not getting the pest and disease in there because yeah. figs, of course, as you know, will get fruit fly, um, you know, right. pretty badly yeah. in them. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're just as bad as, uh, you know, citrus and, and stone fruit, so you're going to have to tend to the uh, to the uh, the fruit fly, uh, you know, as it as it starts to uh, get that, uh, the fruit starting to colour up a little bit on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the great thing about figs, though, is they do stay nice and hard and green for some time, so, uh, you know, the fruit fly don't tend to attack until you get that colour. Yeah. Know. Uh, but look, yeah, look, I'd just leave well enough alone. Uh, perhaps a, a light tip prune, but, uh, you know, I've seen figs do that where you just prune them and they send up one. But over time, they just tend to spread out a bit. Okay. Um, so, look, a, a hard prune, um, look, probably not. Uh, just a tip right. prune at this stage. Okay, well, thanks, Scott. I'll, um, I'll take your advice and I'll just pray to the God of figs that it does the right thing for me. And look, and the other thing that has just sprung to my my mind about figs is that they get that uh, that uh, sort of uh, what do they call it the sawtooth grub. You know, you, you turn over the leaves and they've got you know like hundreds of little brown. Uh, yes, I've, I've grubs had them. I've been I've been flicking them off. Do I need to use malathion or something like that for them? Yes, you do need to use malathion for those because what will happen is I'll just chomp away at the at the leaf and they leave that sort of skeletal feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and they'll do an immense amount of damage. So, yeah, look, very important to, to give them uh, a good spray. Malathion should do that as well. Uh, if you want to use something a little bit softer, uh, you could probably try pyrethrum. Uh, yeah. And, uh, look, there is another chemical out there called Dipel, which is specifically for grubs. Right. And it's quite safe to spray around as well. So, uh, okay. Yeah, it's a malathon. Okay, well, malathon, yeah, you, you can step down to pyrethrum and, and Dipel yeah. if you want no, to. No, well, that, that sounds very good. It looks like I've got an hour, another visit to Bunnings. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, Scott. Okay, good on you, Stephen. Thanks for that, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Saber Tooth Grub. Obviously, I, 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 I like the sound of that name. I, Do they have big teeth? I thought it might have been a sawtooth grub. I'll have saber to yeah, saber tooth. I might have to get my you know Funkin' Wagnalls encyclopedia out of gardening and check that out again.
Okay. Yeah, but we will. But it was they're they're a, a tiny little brown thing, and they all congregate on the back of the leaves, and they just feed and feed and feed and feed and feed. And they just leave the skeleton of the leaf there, and they're absolutely useless. I don't know what they do after that, where they go to. It's um, probably for a lie down, I think, after all, all that eating. After all that eating, it'd be like Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Sharp, you mentioned a little bit earlier as well about manure. Yes. Is it time to start getting it out or, well, or collecting t- it? Well, it's, <laughs> certainly. Uh, look, I, I, I've got a cautionary tale here for, for people. Right. And I know, you know, we always talk about horse manure and that it's not the best thing in the world yep. to use. And I have my cautionary tale that I can... It's very anecdotal and it actually happened in Carrington. Right. Yes, of all places. I'm all ears. Fantastic community garden over there. Uh, you know, people really get in amongst it uh, down near the bowling club. Uh, they work very, very hard at it. Uh, but uh, some stable manure was brought in a few weeks ago. I know that for a fact because yep. I shoveled about a trailer load of it and it was nice and hot and raw. Oh, painting a picture. Yeah, it was It was steaming hot, I can tell you that. <laughs> Bear in mind it is lunchtime. Yeah, okay, well we'll just calm down on that a little bit, but uh, look, we, we stuck it into the into the compost bin. Uh, it's, uh, it needs to go in there for some time. Unfortunately, we believe someone might have started to spread it around the garden a little bit too oh, early. Right. So what's happened is all the weed has uh, actually gone through uh, the garden. So the trouble with the horse has only got one gut. Yep. It doesn't actually break down the, you know, the seed or any weeds, uh, you know, grass shoots and things that are in there. So if you're using it, uh, it, it really will, you know, contain, keep, you know, keep that weed in there and it will just, uh, you know, the seeds will just spring back as soon as you put some water on it. Uh, look, uh, the only thing to do is just to compost it really, really well. Let that heat do its uh, do its damage down deep, and yep. you know actually sort of heat treat the uh, the seeds to make them sterile. Uh, the other thing about horse manure as well is when it's really green and steaming and smelly, uh, there's a lot of urea in there as well because uh, you know the, obviously it's stable manure. The horse is you know doing its number twos in the stable, and it also yep. does its number ones in the stable as well, and it all gets soaked up and mixed up. And so there's a lot of urea in there. If you're using it when it's too green, it's just going to go straight through and uh, burn your uh, garden away. Okay. Yeah. So still cow manure is the best though, isn't it? I definitely think cow manure uh, for certain plants. Of course, there's chook manure as well for citrus and other green leafy vegetables. Uh, look, I always say there's a reason that horse manure is free. Uh, and it's because it, it takes so much time to break it down into a, you yep. know, a, a, a usual, usable form uh, for people. And uh, you know, if you don't do that, then you can have the urea or you can have the weed just transplanting straight in there. So that's going to be really difficult uh, there for the uh, Carrington Community Garden. But I'm sure some weed pluckers will uh, do their job. They can sort it out. Been a weekend. Well, look, there's a, there's actually I was thinking about that. Uh, we'd probably, you know, we don't want obviously be spraying, uh, you know, weed killer willy nilly around it. But uh, there's that uh, slasher organic weed killer, uh, which would be quite safe to use as long as we don't get it on the nice little cute lettuce plants that are growing up. So we have to be careful about when and where to spray it. Excellent, some nice advice. So the moral of the story is: don't use horse manure. Don't use horse manure. That's, that's my that's my. Bam. But if you do, if compost you do, it. Compost it for a number of months. Months. Talking, I'm talking like three to four, like gestation of a horse period. Okay. I'm not sure how long that is, but I'm, I think it'll be a long time. We'll say five. Let's say five. Five months. <laughs> so we've got Richard from Awaba, and he's got a question about the fox fern. Hey, Richard, how can we help you? Hey, Scott. I, I'm, I'm after a bit. Of, I think it's called fox fern. I'm not quite sure. I've been told that's what it's called. Yeah. It's, a, it's growing in a rockery, and it's got like little sharp little thorns uh, in it. 
Yep, when okay. you go to pull it. I'm after something that'll kill it. I've tried tree and blackberry killer and Roundup and everything just seems to make it go better than ever. <laughs> you've, you've tossed everything at it by the sounds of things. So yeah, look, some people call it, yeah, some people call it foxtail fern. I guess the most uh, common name here in Australia is asparagus fern because it does look a little bit like asparagus shoots, you know, those little fine yep. ones that are coming up out of the ground. Uh, yep. And mate, yeah, look, it is, it's savage on the hands as well. Have you actually tried to pull some out? Yeah, I have. I I soon put some leather gloves on, but oh yeah, they've got those. They've got these barbs on there that face the other way. So as you pull up the stem, it just like launches into your hand, and it's it's really nasty sort of stuff. But the, the yeah, trouble, that's it. Yeah, the trouble with the asparagus fern is it does it. It, it sends has these rhizomes, uh, little bulb sort of things in under the ground, and it, it spreads. I guess a little bit like bamboo does. Uh, look, unfortunately, you have been using the the harshest things possible out there. Uh, so you just have to be persistent. You can use the tree and blackberry and spray it on there. That is the hardest thing you can get. Uh, yep. Or the Roundup as well. Uh, not quite as sort of tough as tree and blackberry killer, but it certainly does the job. What you're probably finding is that, um, you know, it's still living under the ground. So you might kill off, you know, the bits that you spray, but then it just comes back again. So unfortunately, persistence is the only way to get rid of asparagus fern. I know I've got some uh, at my place. I've sort of eradicated it on my side of the fence, uh, but it's still living over the other side of the fence, and every now and again it, it tries to pop its head over the fence, and I have to spray it again. Uh, yeah, and, sure. look, and I've been doing that for three years. Uh, uh, yeah, so it, it's just because you spray one bit, it's not necessarily going to go back and, and kill it. It just seems to be as resilient as anything. Uh, unfortunately, right. so yeah, persistence no, is the right. key. Can you tell uh, with, with the uh, roundup? You know how it sort of kills everything within sort of the week period. Everything's dead. And yep. Does um, the tree and blackberry killer take about the same time, or is it a slower working? Uh, no, look, I, I would say it takes about the same time. The only trouble with tree and blackberry, and something you have to be careful about, is if you, uh, you know, you sort of uh, start introducing it into the soil too much, uh, you know, you're spraying it around and you're getting excess dripping into the soil, you can, you know, damage the soil and, and sterilise it in that area. Uh, yeah, sure. Look, they say glyphosate doesn't do that. I have heard some anecdotal evidence that, you know, that it, it does. Uh, yeah. But again, just, yeah, just spray it. Uh, and, of course... Both of those chemicals work best when it's hot. So with glyphosate, yeah. it will kill things uh, in winter, but it's always going to take, you know, two and a half weeks rather than the week you're talking about. Yeah, sure. Uh, and look, the, as soon as you've killed it and you start seeing new ones come up, nice little fresh ones, get in and give that a spray as well. Very important to do that. All righty, Dan. Thanks for your help. Sorry there's no uh, easy answer there for you, Richard. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll keep at it. Okay, mate. Have a good afternoon. Okay, thanks. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Richard. Scott, you mentioned something as well about the oyster plant at the top of the hour. Oh, yes, yes. What's so special about the oyster plant? Well, they're out in flower at the moment. I was, I was down in Melbourne the other weekend. Yep. Uh, we were happily walking around uh, Southbank. Lovely. And, yeah, very nice down there. Saw some very good juggling acts, just as a, a little aside there. Um, oh, I love juggling. Any mimes? Uh, no, look, I, I love juggling and fireworks. They're, they're like, I'm just a sucker for those. Oh, imagine them combined. I oh, know, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, down, look, lovely area down there. Uh, and there was some uh, really, down around the uh, riverbank, some really beautiful uh, groups of oyster plant, or acanthus mollus. Uh, and it is a great uh, plant for in the shade. And uh, it actually then uh, took my mind to uh, the Corinthian column that, you know, we see in ancient 
um, Rome and all of those places. Yep. And I learned this a couple of years ago, and it was the first time I'd ever heard it, is that the sort of little squirrely bits you get at the top of those, um, you know, those ancient columns are yeah, actually yeah. formed off, like they were inspired by the oyster plant, the way that little flower sort of curls around oh, there. okay. Yeah, so, uh, and then I also learned that uh, in Rome, in the Roman Forum, uh, you know, like in ancient Rome, uh, they had uh, oyster plants everywhere in there, and they're still in there to this day, uh, sort of growing and uh, in under the trees. So it's sort of like, yeah, this uh, horticultural link back to, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years ago. Ancient Rome. Yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, it just uh, reminded me all of that uh, when I was down in Melbourne the other week. Uh, but some really, really beautiful uh, specimens down there in under the trees around the riverbank. Excellent. It's yeah. his gardening talkback on 2 and UR We've got Brian now from Gorakin, and he needs some advice about the asparagus. Hey, Brian, how can we help you? Yeah, I don't need any advice. I'll, I'll just um, tell you how I got how I killed it. Oh, how did you get rid of yours? I um, got a, a bottle of a Roundup, yes. fresh bottle. Yes. Cut a little bit off the top of the asparagus and stuck it down in right down into the bottle. Yeah. And just put something in there to, to hold the plant in there. I left it for three or four days, and it just sucked it up right down into the. Yeah, that's a great idea, isn't it? I've never heard of using it that way. And and look, you're not spraying it around. You're not introducing it to the soil. Uh, you're just letting the plant take it deep down into its uh, into its uh, root system. Bulbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those bulbs are terrible, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and when we're talking about doing that, uh, when you've got uh, tree and blackberry killer and you've got a you know a large plant that you want to get rid of, you can actually you know cut that off at the stump and drill, and then introduce pour the tree and blackberry killer into that, and it will be absorbed down. But unfortunately, like you said with the asparagus fern, you don't have that trunk. Uh, you know, to be able to cut off and, and pour it into. But that's a really great idea. We really appreciate that, Brian. That's a fantastic idea. OK, if I could just ask one for myself. Absolutely. I've always had these lilies with a big red uh, bell flower. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've always had good ones, but this year, when, when the stem has come out from the bottom of the plant, it's just... Uh, twisted itself and grown deformed. Right, okay. So uh, I, I think you might be talking about hippiastrums uh, there. I, I think that's yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, look, they can, like agapanthus, get mealybugged down deep inside them. Uh, and that's what you're finding. You're finding that deformity there. The other thing they could get, I guess, is some sort of fungal disease. But uh, coming out of the bulb, I would find that to be a bit unusual. Uh, I'd, I'd be sort of more inclined to think that it's the mealybug, uh, the same thing the agapanthers get. Uh, look, to get rid of that, you just need to get uh, an insecticide like uh, malathon and uh, mix it up into your watering can and actually drench it down into the, uh, the crevice, you know, where the leaves intersect down in there and let it soak right down in there and uh, that should get rid of it for you. Just as the leaves I noticed this year, just as the leaves were sort of coming out yeah. of the bulb, oh, yeah. it had a little bit of a white, whitish sort of... Yep, okay. That sounds like it's going to be the mealybug in that case. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay. I'll get something and spray Okay, not a problem. Thank you. Okay. Uh, look, thanks for that, Brian. You've uh, given us something. We've hopefully given you something. Yep. Cheers, mate. Have a good afternoon. It's nice when someone comes in and gives us a little bit of a tip. It is, yeah. It's great like that. Oh, a yeah. hot tip. It is a hot tip. And look, we're always willing to learn, aren't we? Exactly. We, yes. It's never too late to learn. We haven't got closed minds here. <laughs> We've got Matthew from Islington. And he needs a... No, we haven't got John from Fishing Point. Sorry. I've gotten carried away. We've been inundated with callers. We've got John from Fishing Point. And he's got a question about the dwarf mango tree. John, how can we help you? Um, I've got a dwarf mango tree. Um, last year, I got about... 
a dozen mangoes on it. Um, this year it's flowering, there's a whole heap of mangoes on it, but mm-hmm. how do I keep, keep them on there? They're just starting to bud up, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're just starting to form the mangoes. How do I keep them on the trees? Yeah, look, the most important thing to do is make sure that it's obviously being well watered because as soon yeah. as the plant gets stressed in any way, it will drop its uh, flowers and fruit. Uh, right. Yeah, so uh, make sure you're well watering it at, at the moment. Uh, look, the other thing to do is uh, spray for anthracnose. So that is a uh, disease that uh, sort of gets into the actual flower of the plant little fungal disease and then it spreads down as the fruit forms and continues and that's when you see that rotting off of the top and often the fruit will fall off because of that uh, so what you need to do is go to your local garden center and grab a product called uh, Mancazeb plus and uh, spray that on all the flowers and the fruit as well if you've got some fruit set on there and uh, that should uh, protect uh, the uh, the plant from that anthracnose coming in. They can also get black spot on them on the leaves as well. And the uh, the the Mancazeb Plus will protect uh, against that fungal disease also. So is it just the one spray, or do you have to continue with it? No, no. Look, I, I would uh, probably do it uh, twice. Uh, and especially if you see new, uh, you know, flowers forming on there, that's when you'd give it a go then. Uh, but look, once, then again in a couple of weeks' time, and then it might be that, you know, you have a break and just notice, you know, observe what's happening, and it might be, you know, you wait a month and then you give it another spray uh, at yeah. that time. But the most important one is to try and protect that uh, fruit forming up so that that uh, fungal disease doesn't get into the flower and then spread down into the fruit. Yeah. Another quick one, if I could. Um, my zucchinis, they seem to form a little... Uh, they seem to form, and they grow about uh, 30 centimetres and mm-hmm. then just fall apart. When you say fall apart, are they just falling off the off the vine, or are they...? No, they just rot. They just rot, do they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, look, sometimes... Again, with like with tomatoes, you get a sort of similar problem where uh, you need consistency of, of watering with them. Um, because sometimes if you know you just you water and then you know, they have a big dry spell, you can get splitting in the fruit and that can cause it to rot like that. So mm. look, I'd just suggest um, yeah consistency of watering with your zucchinis. The other thing to do as well, mate, if you've got some of that Mancazeb Plus, uh, I would also spray your zucchinis with that because uh, you know being on the ground and close to those fungal spores, they can get uh, fungal diseases as well. So uh, it, when, you, when you've got some mixed up, I'd uh, give it a crack on your zucchinis as well. Great, thanks a lot. Thanks okay, for yeah. You have a nice thanks. afternoon, John. Thanks for that. Bye bye. Now we can go to Matthew from Easlington. He's waiting. Waiting very patiently. patiently yeah. And he's got some advice about growing plants on a balcony with only morning sun. Ooh, Matthew, how can we help, mate? Good afternoon, gentlemen, and thank you very much for your gardening program every week. It's wonderful stuff to listen to. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, we enjoy uh, bringing it to you. <laughs> Um, now, I've recently moved into an address in, um, oh, sorry, I should say, anyway, where, where it is. Yep, that's all right. Um, no, as long as it's not an exact address, we're all happy with that. A suburb's fine. <laughs> yeah, good Um Beaumont Street. Yep, yep. And only gets morning sun. Okay. I'm above a shop. Yes. Um, is it possible for me to uh, grow a lemon tree? Um in a pot 
of Morning Sun only. Uh, look, the, I'm going to say no, and that's going to be my short answer, yeah. mate. I, I will go yeah, on to enough. give you some more information about that. Uh, look, yep. the, the reason why that won't do too well is that uh, your citrus need, you know, for starters, you want to get lemons off it or, you know, whatever, you know, variety you plant. So they just won't flower and fruit very well in the shade. Sure. You might get some spot flowering. Uh, you might then get a, a lemon or, you know, some sort of citrus forming on there. It's not going to ripen properly for you. You won't get a really, you know, okay. a good taste. Thank you. Uh, the other thing will happen is it'll be too susceptible to pest and disease. You'll get this lanky plant sort of growing out towards the sun and uh, you'll have fungal disease. It'll get uh, scale yeah. and other mites on it. So, mate, look, I'd say no to that. Okay. I'm sorry. Question. No, that's fine. I'll get off the phone and thank you and put the music back on. <laughs> no, no. We, well, we, we'd like to keep it, you know, uh, we'd like to be nice and direct, but, uh, yeah, sorry, it's not going to be successful for you with the citrus in those sort of conditions, mate. Thank you for the conversation. It's very kind of you. And well, honestly, the um, I was originally from Salt Ash yes. and um, in the Pepos area, um, that, and everything's going extremely well. Um, but now I'm in Islington. That's another story. Yep. Um, I'm trying to um, keep your members of the airwaves listening to me. Um, we'll talk later. Thank okay. you. Good on you, Matthew. Thanks for that. Well, have a good afternoon, mate. You're welcome. Okay. Bye bye. Good afternoon. Cheers, thank you, Matthew. I think we've got time for one more caller. We'll give them a go. We've got David from Hinton, and he's got maybe a question about fertiliser. Hey, David, how can we help, mate? Scott, this is not for me. Yes. I suppose you've noticed um, Mark Rourke wandering around. I was wondering if you could recommend anything for him to help him in his quest to grow a moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, yeah, we could. We, we could recommend something for Mark. I, I, we were talking about, uh, you know, he just needs some sort of cream or salve, you know, mixed in with certain, you know, products. You don't want anything too toxic for him. No, nothing too toxic, uh, you know, nothing too smelly as well uh, because it's going to be situated in there under his nose. He has to rub it on every night and uh, hopefully it'll grow a little bit for him. It's like he's yeah. got a little witchetty grub there at the moment. It's sort of, yeah. sort of flapping yeah. around. A cappuccino stain. <laughs> All right, mate, I'll leave you with it. You have a good day. Okay, good on you, David. Thanks for Jeez, that. Thanks, David. Nice to see you. Not all our questions are... No, no. And, and look, poor old Mark, you know, any any chance we can get to uh, have something to say about him? Stick one in the rib. Yeah, why not? <laughs> good cause, though. It's mental health for November, so... Yeah, good on him. Uh, look, it's taking him a long time. What are we, almost uh, oh, oh, over halfway through the month? And, you know, he's... He probably should have started September. Yeah. You could go to one of those costume shops and just get the stick on. I'd be going that if oh, I was yeah. Mark, yeah. Just... <laughs> Think of the Groucho Marx glasses yeah, as well. Yeah, just a transplant. <laughs> Takes them from the top of his head. Oh, he hasn't got much up there either, so oh, it's not good. Oh, maybe somewhere else you can get it from the hair from. Oh, no, no, okay. <laughs> Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week. You got anything else before you venture off? Oh, yeah, look, uh, I, I was going to speak uh, briefly about a fantastic uh, plant. I was actually uh, texted by some very good friends of mine. He's an Irish fellow. Um, so he's not too good at growing plants. I think the only plant he can actually grow is uh, green grass and potatoes. That's all right. Well, you've got to take your half the potatoes. Well, I guess so. And you could feed the cows on the on the green grass. But uh, he has been growing this uh, succulent called Crassula ovata. It's one with uh, red uh, tips uh, or red sort of edges on the leaves. And he's been doing really, really well with that. Uh, full sun position. Uh, yeah. It's in a pot. Uh, he's up on an apartment as well. So it's getting, you know, full sun, wind, everything up there. If this guy can grow a plant, and it, they send me a photo, it actually looks really, really attractive, uh, the way they've been looking after it. Yeah, Crassler ovata, it's a red leaf jade plant, and it brings some luck as well, right. I'm sure. Yeah. So luck 
and the Irish. And luck of the Irish, yes. Double luck. He's, he's very lucky. He's probably got some four-leaf clover in there as well. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. I'll catch you next week. Okay, talk to you then. Oh, I've also got a, a weed as well, but I'll have to take a photo of it. Oh, next week then. It's my enemy. I hate it. Oh, good. It's a bane of my life. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.